Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Grant us peace. Amen. Christ the victim, Christ the priest, you give your body for the feast. strip the robe from off his back and spread his arms and nail them to the cross. The dark nails pierce him and the sky turns black and love is firmly fastened onto loss. But here a pure change happens. On this tree, loss becomes gain. Death opens into birth. Here wounding heals and fastening makes free. Earth breathes in heaven, heaven roots in earth. And here we see the length, the breadth, the height, where love and hatred meet and love stays true, where sin meets grace and darkness turns to light. We see what love can bear and be and do. 
And here our Savior calls us to his side. His love is free. His arms are open wide. they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. God, open our eyes to see in the cross the revelation of your love. And as we walk through this day, may we remember, beyond sin there is love inexhaustible, beyond death there is life unimaginable, beyond brokenness there is forgiveness incomprehensible, beyond betrayal there is grace poured out eternally. May we remember and give thanks for the wonder of your love. Amen. Good morning, brethren. Life is quite a roller coaster ride, isn't it? There are so many joyful moments, some moments of elation. But then, sometimes, here come the trials, maybe when we least expect them. Everything seems to be going fine. We're having joy, and then, all of a sudden, tragedy strikes. And sometimes, during those difficult moments, we can be so focused on our problems and disappointments that we may end up missing what the Lord is doing in our lives. In fact, at times, we're even tempted to walk away or withdraw from a fellowship of believers to be preoccupied with our problems and frustrations instead. It's not unusual for people hurting to be tempted to separate themselves, to isolate themselves from the body of Christ. But if we're not careful, 
In doing so, we may even miss the presence of Jesus and the very meaning of what he is accomplishing in us. That, believe it or not, was actually the case for two of his disciples right around the time of his resurrection. Let's see what happened and how the Lord himself addressed the problem. We find the account of this in Luke chapter 24 and beginning with verse 13. Let's read it. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. So they were talking about what things? Well, the crucifixion, the resurrection, or at least the rumors of the resurrection, the capture of Jesus, all those events that had occurred in it just in the previous days. Disappointment, grief, terror, and the very shadow of death itself are very hard emotions to deal with. And those, as you can imagine, were the emotions that these disciples of Jesus were experiencing. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. They have witnessed a major, huge roller coaster ride, emotionally speaking. From acclaiming his arrival into Jerusalem with hosannas and, and chants and shouts of joy to then be witnesses of his capture, his torture, his crucifixion. And then three days later, rumors of his resurrection, but nothing of what they expected seemed to happen. Their hearts were now heavy. Their hopes were crushed. And it's not much different from what many of us sometimes experience in times of serious trials. You probably experienced that yourself. Those moments feel like we are living in a surreal, I don't know, like in a nightmare. It, it, we wonder if what happens around us is, is actually real or we're just imagining if we're going to wake up from a nightmare that it, it just can't be. And then when, the, when we see and we realize the reality of it, it's like someone is, is taking away our breath. Someone is stealing our very breath. Something like something so heavy pushing against our chest to the point of pain and makes it so hard to breathe. At tough times. Verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. Now what's important about this moment, this encounter here, is that Jesus was with them. Jesus did not abandon them. Jesus is not, did not turn the, his back to them 
because of their crisis. He walked with them. He was with them, but they could not recognize him or perceive his presence. Does that sound familiar, maybe? How many times in our life, as we go through major trials, we feel like he's not present. Or we, at least we don't perceive his presence the way we would like to. They had been talking about what happened in the previous days. But without hope. Focused only on their pain and disappointment. And when Jesus asked them about those things, they just stood still looking sad. And yes, there was much to be sad about. But that was not the whole story though, was it? These two disciples, focusing on their emotions, they ended up being swallowed up in their grief and hopelessness. Let's continue to read from verse 18. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus at Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to, sent to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. It, it's almost as if these two disciples were telling Jesus, how can you not understand the way we feel? Where have you been? But notice also their limited view about Messiah. They regarded Jesus as a powerful prophet, and yet Jesus was much, much more than that, wasn't he? But their prophet, and with him their hope, was crucified, was killed by the religious leaders. Not only disappointing, but disheartening too. Their disappointment was deep. For they were hoping to see Messiah redeeming Israel in a physical sense. And of course, they did not understand. On top of that, they heard that something was to happen after three days. But here they were on the third day. And yes, there had been some rumors around, but nothing of what they are hoping that would happen seemed to happen at all. Nothing. God seemed to be silent. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sometimes in a moment of crisis, in a moment of grief, God just seems to be silent. And it's almost like they were telling Jesus, how can we not feel distraught and sad? And they were walking away. Almost like saying, why bother then? But let's see what happened next. Verse 22. But also some women among us amazed us. 
When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came, and saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. You see, they were ignorant of what had happened at the tomb. They did not understand yet. They had heard of the women who went there and found the tomb empty. They had heard about the angels who had announced his resurrection. But when they went to check things out, they did find the tomb empty, but they did not see Jesus. And while the evidence was staring at them in the face, their heart was too wounded and too sad to see it and recognize it. They were blind because they expected to see something limited, something at their level, something human, something they could grasp and understand on their own, but no such thing could be seen at that moment. Similarly, we also ask many questions in life. We ask, why? Why me? Why my loved one? We want to know. We want to understand. We want to understand, however, according to our frame of reference. We want to see what's going on within the context of our own experience. But often, we don't. Because what God is at work doing, what God is at work producing, transcends our personal human experience. Verse 25, And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? This is a quite a very important statement. Notice the way that Jesus responded to them and, and to their problem. The prophets have spoken of all this. Scripture spoke about these things. It was necessary for Messiah to experience death and then rise to life. Well, it's Resurrection Sunday, it's Easter. I can just imagine some people say, oh, we know that. We heard that before. In fact, we hear about that every year. Yes, that's true. But do we really understand what that means? You see, Jesus coming back to life was not just a resurrection the way we would tend to think. It, it, let, me, let me explain it. It was not like Lazarus who was taken back from the grip of death and came back to this life. But notice, Lazarus, yes, he was resurrected. He came back to life. But he came back to a life like you and I live. And eventually he died. He's not around us anymore. But Jesus, Jesus did not come back to life. 
Jesus broke through the barriers of death. Jesus defeated death once and forever. He destroyed it. It was the death of death itself that Jesus brought about. He explained it in, in a very limited way with, with a metaphor of a seed. And I know it is limited, but it's helpful anyway. That's what Jesus used to, to help us understand. A, a resurrection, the way we would generally think about, would mean, for, for that metaphor of the, of the seed, would mean to take the seed that was put on the, in the ground to take it back from the ground. So that the seed is now not dead, but that's it. It's just a seed, like it was before. Messiah, however, was to do much, much more. He was to experience death. Yes, he was to die. He was to go through that. But he was also to break through death and spring forth into a newness of life. A life of glory, a life eternal. You see, that seed dying springs forth into a new life, a new plant, and produces much fruit and much more life. And yes, it's a limited metaphor, but it shows us that Jesus has conquered death for all of us. Not by coming back to this life, but breaking through that and actually defeating and conquering death, death itself. The sting of death is gone. And it's gone forever. Because he broke through it. He defeated it. He killed death. And death no longer has power over any of us who are in him. But no wonder they could not understand. Because they were looking too low, too closely, too narrowly to be able to understand what God had actually done. And brethren, we too tend to look at things in a narrow perspective. We feel the pain. We feel, we experience a disappointment. Oh, the uncertainty, especially the uncertainty. This is it. This is going to be it. And then things get better, and we rejoice, and we feel good, only to find out that something else happens, and that's it. That's it. This is going to be it. This is the end. And then back and forward, that uncertainty can be distressing too. We look for answers. But we look for answers in the here and now, in the limited scope of our brief existence, as if this blinking of an eye, this moment, this, this, this existence that we live in, it's all there is. The here and now seems to be all that we understand. But even so, it is not all that there is, is it? So, like the Apostle Paul wrote for us, we're to keep our eyes on the things of God, on the things above. Because only then, as we look at life from God's perspective, when we keep our eyes on Him, only then we will understand 
how awesome it is what he has in store for us. And that amazing difference that he makes even in our life. Let's continue reading in verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he heard, had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. That must have been quite something. To have him there reclining at the table with them, breaking bread and sharing it and giving it to them, and then recognizing him and being able to see who he is. And then he vanished from their sight. Brethren, what happens to us when we waver, when we doubt, when we're discouraged? Look around, and especially look up, because Jesus is right there with you in your grief in those times. He's right there in our pain, seeking to restore our spiritual sight and to help us understand what we need to understand at that moment. But you know, we will not understand if all that we look at are the things of this world. We need to see what God has to say. And as Jesus pointed out to these two disciples, we find that in Scripture. But notice something else in here. Jesus would have continued walking. And the two disciples had to invite him. They had to <clears throat> invite him in, and, and so they did. But we do too. We need to call on him. Especially when life hurts. We need to call on him. Ask him. Invite him to reveal his presence. And realize and understand that he will. Finally, notice here that it is in the context of our communion that we will be able to recognize his presence. That the breaking of bread is only symbolic of the communion that the Lord has granted us to have with them and through him with one another. You see, at times, we don't see the work of the Lord being accomplished directly from him, supernaturally. Although he may still be supernatural, but we see the, the work of the Lord being accomplished and fulfilled and manifest in the hearts of our brethren. We can recognize it in a gesture of kindness, in a word, in a prayer. It is communion and oneness with him first and in him with one another. As he manifests his presence in a special way, in the context of that communion that the church is, because the church is his body. 
And so often when, when we're going through a, a difficult time, sometimes we see him at work through the words or through the hands or through the feet of a brother or sister in Christ. As they express his grace, as they manifest or show his love, the love that God has poured in their hearts by the Holy Spirit that is now expressed and made manifest as they follow the lead of God and they show it in their actions. You know, it is so refreshing in a moment of need to see a brother reaching out to us in a concrete way, in a tangible way, and showing us and manifesting us the love of Jesus Christ. But you see, these two disciples had left that communion. They had left the disciples. They left Jerusalem and they were going away. And they were consumed in their own emotions. They needed communion with Christ and in Him the oneness with our brethren, just as we do. But they were walking away from it. Let's not do the same. But as Jesus revealed himself to them, after he vanished from their sight, verse 32, notice, they said to one another, we're not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Notice how their hearts were responding to God's word. Let's continue with verse 33. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of a bread. Oh, yes. Now they no longer wandered in isolation and loneliness, swallowed by sadness, pain, and disappointment. What did they do? They ran back to Jerusalem to be with the other disciples. That's where they belonged. Not alone, but with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And together they rejoiced at the news of the resurrection just like you and I can. We can rejoice that the Lord has defeated death, had destroyed death. And like the scripture says, O oh death, where is your sting? You know, brethren, is gone because Jesus Christ experienced death but broke through all these barriers of death, defeating it once and forever. His resurrection was the very death of death itself. Continuing with verse 36, While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. I imagine that if you and I were to be present there the way they were, and all of a sudden we see Jesus appearing in our midst, we would be scared and startled too. But notice that Jesus here 
revealed himself. Still, even though they were startled and scared and frightened, Jesus quieted their spirits and their hearts and explained to them what they needed to understand at the moment. Look at it, verse 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me, see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. You see, what Jesus was doing here, he was revealing himself that he was not a ghost. He was not an apparition. He was Jesus, risen, but not just come back to life. He was risen in glory, triumphant over death itself. But let's continue in verse 44. And now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We need that too, don't we? May the Lord open our minds as well, especially in our times of trouble, in our times of distress, in our times of disappointment and discouragement. May his spirit be upon us and lift our hearts, especially when all seems lost and uncertain. May his grace sustain us, lift us, open our eyes to see the glory that he has in store for us, that amazing and awesome glory that he has in store for us, that he's sharing for us, the very glory that God the Father has given to God the Son, God the Son said that he has given to us. Verses 46 and 47. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Yes, they had seen, and now they had to share. And that calling is for us as well. We too are to share that life with others. We are to proclaim not condemnation, but forgiveness. We are to bring his name and his glory wherever we go, inviting people to change their hearts and change their mind and accept the gift of God in repentance, the gift of life that we have in Jesus Christ. Finally, verses 48 and 49. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Yes, we are not witnesses, eyewitnesses the way they were. 
That is true. They were present. We, we were not back in those days. They were present and they saw those things. And so they, they were to share that as eyewitnesses. And while we were not present then, and we cannot say that we witnessed his death and resurrection, we do, however, have something to say. We are witnesses of the newness of life that Christ has given us. We are witnesses of the change that Christ has brought in our life. We are witnesses of his presence, not only in us, but with us. We are witnesses of the work that the Lord has been doing in us and through us. And that is what we are called to share. But we are not called to do that on our own. The Lord has promised that he will be with us and in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he will guide us. He will lead us. He will strengthen us. He will encourage us. And one day he will glorify us with himself to be at one with him forever. So brethren, let that be the good news that we keep in our hearts. And may the presence of the Lord his newness of life, his very glory and peace shine brightly in your hearts as you commune with him now and forever. God bless you. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, for you are my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. How great the chasms that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name Into the night And through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows Of my soul is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped 
charred from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my so wonderfully created us and even more wonderfully restored us grants that we may participate in the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity your son Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever amen <laughs> 